Hello and welcome to Yesterladies once again. I am Dana. And I'm Heather. Yes. And today we're talking about... Iris Apfel. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> um, I feel like we do that every every time. We say it and then we go, yay, and then we yay. laugh. <laughs> it's our topic. It's we're our excited. topic. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're very girly, I think. Uh, the... That's okay. Yeah, it is. Yes. It's perfectly fine. Iris Apfel would encourage us to be who we are, I, I think. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So that's a pretty decent intro. There we go. <laughs> um, but for those of you who have never heard of Iris Apfel, we should probably just, by way of a brief introduction, say that she is a uh, fashion icon and she is a very elderly fashion icon. She's been around for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's now 94, we said. I think we found. so, yeah. 94-ish. 94. Um, mm-hmm. And she describes herself, the quote is, I'm a geriatric starlet. That was my favorite. I yes. wrote, I'm, oh, I'm oh, bummed sorry, that you said it? that before oh, I got no. a chance to, because that was just one of my favorite lines. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so she goes on to say, all of a sudden I'm hot, I'm cool, I have a fan base. I think, I think reading about this lady, I think she's always been cool. I agree. She's I agree. just one of the original thinkers of uh, the 20th century and just somebody who is just inspiring and fun and just, you know, an advocate for being who you are and not apologizing for it and not, you know, not being who you are for anybody else, but yourself. And mm-hmm. I really, and, and was very successful doing that. So made a real success of herself. Absolutely. Following her heart and her own sense of style. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, her name has been a little bit more out there in the last few years because in um, 2014, there was a documentary released um, simply titled Iris um, about Iris. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. And um, it was uh, um, made by iconic documentary filmmaker. Um, let's see, we were struggling to say his name pro- properly. Um, Albert Mazels, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. what we landed on, right? Yes. Mazels? Yeah. Um, who we really, I feel like I should have, I should have known how to pronounce his name because he's a, <laughs> he is, like I said, he's a famous, uh, documentary filmmaker, um, for many years. He's made films, it looks like on mm-hmm. the Beatles, on the Rolling Stones, famously the documentary, um, Grey Gardens, um, was, uh, was his work and he was kind of a student of the cinema verite, um, school where you just unobtrusively film a subject and, uh, see where it takes you without a script. Mm -hmm. Um, so just a little side note on, on him, I guess Mm -hmm. he's a very interesting character and he decided several years ago that Iris Atfall would be a good subject for a film. And uh, it was actually one of the last films that he made. He recently passed away. Mm. Um, so Iris was, if not the last, one of the last, Mm -hmm. um, films that he ever made. You can see why she would catch his eye. Oh my uh, gosh. Because she's so visual. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I know she's almost, I mean, she's wonderful and I'm, we definitely wanted to do a podcast on her, but it's almost the wrong medium to talk about her. And it is a shame because only describe her. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're absolutely right. She's so visual. I mean, you have to. Uh, you just have to Google this woman yes. and um, and do an image search, and what you will find will be just a beautiful, colorful um, feast for the eyes. <laughs> it really is. Her style is amazing. It's just it's so bright and um, layered and colorful and eclectic, and um, <laughs> she's amazing. I just want to like she's this. She's very slight. She's yes. um, a slight woman, although tall apparently, mm-hmm. um, with a uh, bright white 
short kind of spiky hair and what she's probably best known for visually are her uh, awesome eyeglasses, which is <laughs> like saucer sized, thick, perfectly round black frames mm. with thick lenses and it makes her look very owlish. Yes. Uh, so she's very much known for those those glasses and then um and then her style is very as we say it's very colorful it's very exotic so she wears a lot Mm -hmm. of pieces from all over the world including like i love that she wears like priest's robes and things like that (laughs) like nothing is out of bounds for iris things you would not consider normal pieces of your wardrobe if they're wearable she'll put them in the mix yeah and she's a big advocate for layering so she wears Mm. lots of different pieces layered on top particularly accessories and like she doesn't wear she doesn't like put on one necklace and a bracelet that matches she's like she's wearing like six necklaces and one (laughs) has beads the size of like golf balls (laughs) and she's wearing like you know bangles up to her elbows on both on both (laughs) arms and just rings and on every finger on every finger and yeah (laughs) Yeah. she loves accessories and Mm -hmm. it's this whole it's her style it's her look it's this very layered very eclectic very i would think every time i see a picture i think she must make a lot of noise Noise, when she's walking and like awesome noise like jingly rustly like tinkling yeah 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 yeah. i've uh uh, so other words to describe her style that I came across were maximalist. Oh, yes. I saw that too. I thought uh, that was great. Multiple times I read that and I thought that was very clever and flamboyant. Um, and she describes herself as Baroque. She's a Baroque style. Oh, so she said the unifying principle of her style is excess. <laughs> yeah. That, that perfectly captures it, I feel. So if you are currently Googling pictures and, and scrolling through, you'll uh, you'll know that's true. Yeah. What I, what I love about her look is that I mean, it's not a look that m- most people... It's very eye-catching, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. Um, and it's not a look that most people go with or would <laughs> think that they could go with or, you know, wear on a regular basis or anything like that. But what gets me about it is that it just makes you smile. Like, yeah. it's so joyful. Yes. And whether or not you think like, oh my gosh, what a... I love it. I actually think like, I, you know, if I could look like Iris in, you know, 70 years, um, that would be wonderful. Um, but I, you know, it's not, it's not going to be the style for, for everybody, but Mm -hmm. I feel like whether you like it or not, you can't help but smile when you look at this lady. And she exudes such a sense of fun. She's talked about that before. You know, she'll only buy pieces that she falls in love with. So it's a lot about the joy of wearing the piece or the joy of the outfit, which comes across. You can tell right Mm -hmm. away. And um, and I think she inspires other people to find that same joy in exactly. their sense of style. And um, I think we'll get into this more, but her wardrobe has been on display in a number mm-hmm. of museums and sort of as a traveling exhibit. And she kept doing that, even though maybe she hadn't thought it would go that long because all these viewers or visitors kept writing into her and saying, um, you know, you've, you've helped me uh, become more myself or you've changed my life. And she thought, well, how could a display of my clothes change someone's life? But they said, they said, we saw you being authentic. We Mm -hmm. saw the joy I brought you and how fun it is. And it made it okay for me to do the same. Right. So people who are kind of looking for that inspiration really, um, I guess it can change their lives. Just like her example. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite quotes of hers. There's a lot of really good quotes. <laughs> she gives amazing one-liners oh and like zingers. Yeah. Um, but my favorite is, it's better to be happy than to be well-dressed. Mm. And I think, you know, she talks about in an interview that real fashion isn't, it's not about pleasing the people around you. It's about pleasing yourself. So, you know, 
if you if you want to put effort into how you look, that's cool and that's fine. And I think that's self expression and that's mm. that's awesome. But you you should be doing it to please yourself, yeah. to make yourself feel good and and look good for yourself rather than for other people. And I just think that she is the perfect. She's got the perfect mindset for um for clothing and mm. what we what we wear, which um I think is pretty important actually mm-hmm. personally as a bit of a style. Um, <laughs> Somebody who's interested in style and yes. fashion. Yes. Uh, I just think her attitude is is the one to shoot for. Mm. It's really it's really perfect because the moment it becomes about trying to just look good to please other people mm. and right. then what We're you impressed. know yeah exactly yeah. then what's you lose all the joy and it's yeah. it's not fun so yeah, yeah I then, think... then it becomes competitive and exactly about hierarchy and and that's no fun mm-hmm. yeah exactly one um, aspect of her style that I really loved is that she's not about spending a lot of money or about making style exclusive or trying right. to be a style snob um, her collection includes like an unbelievable number of designer pieces and hugely high end items but she says she would never spend something like seven hundred dollars on a purse because she said she says a purse just shouldn't cost seven hundred dollars right so yeah she's willing to spend money when it's something really gr- good quality but she also finds a lot of her pieces at um like flea markets mm-hmm. and and sort of like secondhand stores and and she, she's very frugal about it although i'm sure over the decades she spent an extraordinary amount of money building this collection it's not like she's dropping hundreds or thousands of dollars on, on pieces on everything right yeah. exactly and she found a lot of the designer pieces early on before the designers were well known and she was buying them from like their archives or like one-off um pieces that sort of thing right. um so she she's very sort of fiscally responsible, <laughs> which is refreshing. And I yeah. like that mentality that you don't have to spend a lot to look fabulous. And, and she certainly looks fabulous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There was a little, sh- I don't remember now whether it was a shot from the documentary or um, just a still photograph, but it was of her out shopping and mm-hmm. the interview was, interviewer was was she was she was purchasing a bangle and it looked it really looked to me like they were in like an arden or like one of those <laughs> yeah. just you know accessory places in like the mall yeah that you know what you can get like three necklaces for ten dollars or you know they've got all the different deals and it, it really looks like one of those places to me and she was talking about how being she was so excited about this like very chunky colorful bangle um that she was like oh and she was all excited about this like four dollar <laughs> Plastic, plastic bangle yeah. and uh she's i'm just as excited about this as some designer you know coat that mm-hmm. you would spend thousands of dollars on so i do right. i love that too that you know it's almost the idea that beauty and style is mm. to be found everywhere yeah and is accessible to and is accessible yeah. to everyone exactly yeah. um yeah. yeah. Another thing I really enjoyed about her style is that they were saying or critics have said she uh has been dressing multiculturally before mm. multiculturalism was a thing yeah, <laughs> was a, really. a concept and uh, I see a lot of um like native designs native american mm-hmm. designs and patterns and um there's a lot of fringe yeah <laughs> but but from everywhere there's there's like indian fabrics and sort of sari wrappings and uh, all kinds of like designs from every culture and and pieces of jewelry from every culture and she's mixing and matching and uh it's neat it's just it, um, there's kind of like a worldview in the way she dresses. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And that comes from as we should probably get into mm, her, yes, some of the details yes. of her, so of her life, of but we'll kind of talk about where that comes from. But she was, um, she was born in 1921 in Astoria, Queens. Um, and she was born Iris Beryl. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked her, her background. You can, you can definitely see 
you know, who she is and what she came from. Her father owned a glass and mirror business and her mother owned a fashion boutique. And she talks about in interviews her mother being a big influence on her on her style and her mother always being dressed just so and, mm. you know, very conscious of, of what she was wearing and, and style and, you know, good style. And um, Iris picking up on that and kind of running with it more and being more rebellious and, and out there with her fashion choices, but that her mother supported that and mm. was there. I liked that too, that her mother wasn't like, goodness, you know, young ladies <laughs> don't dress, you know, in this, in this uh, flamboyant manner, Iris, calm down. <laughs> Take the, off that ostrich boa. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just outrageous. Um, but her mother was supportive, even though her mother had a more, you know, conservative mm. look herself, mm. she didn't dampen her daughter's style and i think you can see iris's attitude about like okay this is what i love and this is how i dress but you know everybody's got to find their own style and whether mm. that's you're more of a minimalist or you're more out there or whatever you you know you do you do you as they say <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and i think even further back in her family there were some really well-off tailors and that sort of thing oh so i did yeah, know that yeah it was like a tailor to the, the Russian czar or something crazy. Yeah. It's so, great. so it's like this long line of, sort of style and design people yeah. um, culminating in her. So yeah, you can really, like you said, see where she gets it from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she studied art history at New York university and also attended art school at the university of Wisconsin. And eventually after she graduated, she came to work for uh, women's wear daily for a time, which I had to look up, but apparently it's, um, it's a fashion industry trade journal. Uh, that is known as the Bible of fashion. Mm. So I would imagine that's a pretty, that was a pretty great training ground yes. uh, for yes. her to, to learn more about, you know, the contemporary designers and, yep. um, you know, fashion buyers and purchasers and mm. sources and all mm-hmm. of that kind of thing. And I had read that she um, partially got that position because she had won a contest in Vogue, a uh, Vogue had a writing contest and she won. So she was published and this kind of got her that first job. That's so, pretty awesome. Yeah. It's great that she also has writing skill. I mean, yeah. you know, among other things, yeah. she's also a great writer. Well, you can tell, I mean, she is a very, um, urbane and she's yes. a great speaker. She, yes. She's very, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I also read that she had a little digression into education, which is near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, and she had trained as a teacher and taught for uh, one year in rural Wisconsin in a one-room schoolhouse that apparently um, this maven with a shotgun on her lap ran <laughs> quite oh my. sternly. Yes, I read that and thought, oh God, how is this real? Um, and, but it, it did not agree with her. So uh-huh. she very quickly like got out of the rural say, one-room schoolhouse. Yes, like, not <laughs> her scene that. at all. <laughs> hey, your boss is a shotgun wielding <laughs> huge imposing woman with a shotgun on her lap no no so nobody needs that not, that's not iris's uh <laughs> gig so she she moved on very quickly but back to things that make more sense for her personality <laughs> uh so for a time she was also assistant to illustrator robert goodman um and then in 1948 she married Carl Apfel, who sounds like a pretty cool guy himself. Yes, I agree. Um, now, he passed away at the age of, or almost 101. Mm. Wow. I think I read it. He was just a few weeks shy of his 101st birthday, mm. which is pretty incredible. And you see him, you know, of course, quite a bit in the in the documentary mm. um, from a few years ago. And he's, you know, seems like just a lovely, supportive 
wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, they married in 1948 and in 1950 together, they launched a company called old world weavers, which was a textile firm and it quickly, it seems like it quickly became a pretty important high end mm. textile firm. Absolutely. Um, and they ran it together until they both retired in 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, but during that time, this is my favorite. I mean, it seems like they, they took part in all sorts of projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, did a lot of um, restoration projects for different different buildings, but most famously, they worked on design restoration projects for the White House for I believe it said nine uh, presidencies. So they worked with Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, and Clinton. Wow, which is pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. I thought, what a measure of their success <laughs> to you know be asked back that many times or hired that many times and one of the interviewers asking about this uh time for them was asking like you know what was it like to work with all of these different presidents and their wives and uh she said their favorite to work with surprisingly they she most enjoyed working with the nixons really Uh, particularly it seems with mrs nixon (laughs) she said she was really very interested in the project and took a great deal of interest and care more so than than a lot of the other first ladies who she said, no, they didn't, they didn't care nearly <laughs> as much, but Mrs. Nixon, I guess, was very interested in, hmm. in the project. So they enjoyed working with her. I thought that's interesting. That is interesting. The Nixons don't really seem like the, uh, like the terribly the, personable no, people or to work the, with. the administration that Iris and her husband would, right. <laughs> would enjoy most. But, um, of course that doesn't say anything necessarily about where they lean politically, but at least personally, she enjoyed working with, yes. with, uh, Mrs. Nixon. Yes. So I had read about the Nixon administration when they worked with them and she said that, um, president Nixon kept the white house very cool. He wouldn't put the well. heat on. And so that's where she, she broke out the priest robes to wear there because they were very heavy and thick and would keep her warm. <laughs> That's great. That's good to know. Practical. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So what I thought was neat about old world weavers is that um, they were formed to start making reproductions of antique fabrics and how neat that would be. Just Mm -hmm. that struck me as a great idea, like to recreate some of the famous textiles of history or tapestries of history. That would be neat. Their company, of course, it took them all over the world. They were major world travelers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like she still does travel quite a bit. I don't know if she travels as extensively in far-flung places but i mean they really did go all over the world Mm -hmm. to you know asia and um, the middle east and africa and just of course europe Mm -hmm. and all these different places and i would imagine that a lot of that was was um research for their textiles and for their work but just imagine like how awesome that would be i was just thinking like how do we (laughs) we get in on this how do we come up with a company that involves us traveling all over the world (laughs) and also working in you know the white house or or the you know canada's parliament and and this is just part of our job that also makes us very wealthy and well hey you know uh they're redoing 24 sussex there we go maybe they need some uh somebody to come in and work with uh justin trudeau and some help for gorf wifspa <laughs> <laughs> absolutely 
one story that I came across that was really fun is, of course, being this successful, they got to know a lot of other celebrities and successful people. Um, and one story that I found was how Iris met Duke Ellington. And this was actually before her success. She was quite young. Um, but she went backstage after one of his shows and had just brazenly sort of knocked on of his course. dressing room door. Of course. Right. This is so her. Um, and his trumpeter opened the door, not Duke Ellington himself. And the trumpeter looks at Iris's outfit, which was distinctive, and goes, Lordy, Lordy, who's your tailor? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That is great. <laughs> and so they, they invite her in and she gets to know, you know, Duke and his whole <laughs> band. And I thought, that's wonderful. So uh, her clothes were literally opening doors that's, for her at some point. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm sure that. they were shoulders with many other, um, you know, very famous and, and well-known people. Yeah. It definitely seems yeah. as though she was a big part of the um, culture scene mm-hmm. for the last yes. number of decades. In New and, York. Um, yeah. More so than ever now, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. So uh, what kind of spurred recently this uh interest in iris atfell um and i mean she was very well known among certain circles yes. i think up you know for all of these decades obviously you know with some pretty big connections from the white house and mm-hmm. uh, around new york and around the world and culture and high society and all of this kind of thing but she wasn't known to a wider um, sort of the general public. Yeah, to the yeah. general public. Yeah. But uh, what changed that was um, an exhibition in 2005 at the uh, Costume Institute of the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Um, now, apparently, um, it was kind of scrambled together quickly because mm. uh, another exhibition that they had been planning fell through at uh, a late stage, I guess, mm. in the process. And they needed something quickly to replace it. And the director or the curator whoever was organizing it knew iris and thought oh maybe we can get iris to you know bring out some of her clothes so basically they they called her and and said you know would you would you mind kind of pulling some of your pieces and we could do an exhibition um so she agreed and they put together this exhibition and they called it uh rara avis which means rare bird hmm. which i thought was really great mm-hmm. and just a lovely moniker for her mm-hmm. she's very bird-like she absolutely. is and she yeah she has all these bird descriptions or yeah, avian descriptions yeah absolutely and she wears a lot of coats that are like made of feathers yes there was one that was gold tipped duck feathers oh my what beautiful <laughs> yes. she is she's very yeah she's very yes bird-like and yes. colorful plumage yes. and um she it's funny i've got a i've got a good friend um rita who um we always tease that she's she's bird-like and she kind of <laughs> perches she's you know thin and and willowy and um reminds me i would say just in certain ways iris reminds me of rita <laughs> a little bit her kind of bird-like structure <laughs> um and uh so anyway this this collection came together and had just unexpected success they mm. were blown away by how much the public loved this exhibition of just joyful, colorful pieces from Iris's collection. So this kind of stirred up a, um, a greater knowledge of who mm. Iris was. And as we were talking before we started recording, I think you were mentioning um, uh, why people liked it so much. People were writing to her and saying... Oh, yes. So she she would have these exhibits and the Met was only one, um, her wardrobe was exhibited at a number of, number of other museums as well. And, um, they didn't expect it to keep going like this because Mm -hmm. as you said, it was just a fill in for what should have been a different display. And, um, 
so they kept it going because she was getting a lot of um, fan mail or fan communication um, messages from people who were saying, this has changed my life. And she thought, how could looking at my outfits change someone's life? And her husband was kind of questioning this as well. And he said, ask the next person, why? How did this change your life? So she wrote back to a woman who had written in from, I believe, Florida and and said, oh, Iris, this you've changed my life or your style has changed my life. And she said, well, how? Tell me about this. And so the woman said, well, I've, I've never been bold enough or confident enough to wear things like this or dress the way I really want to. Um, and, and so this has given me the courage to do that. And so she thought, wow, you know, that's great. What an impact. So she's kept it going longer than anticipated because she's just getting such a a response from it. And what's neat too, is that the Met exhibition was mainly word of mouth that all this traffic was driven by word of mouth because they didn't have a lot of time to advertise. And I imagine they couldn't get out much or, you know, many publicity. publicity. Thank you before that. So, um, yeah, it's just sort of this like popular, wave of interest um yeah there's definitely something about her that strikes a chord and um kind of since 2005 since that met exhibit um she's become kind of a as as we mentioned at the top of the podcast the geriatric starlet um (laughs) this this great icon of both style and of aging gracefully yes and um just being who you are and not being afraid of that or ashamed mm-hmm. of it and, mm-hmm. and being joyful in who you are, which is just, I mean, what, what could be better than that? Right. Exactly. Like she is, she's extremely inspiring. She seems like someone who's very self-actualized, mm-hmm. like does what they like and, yeah. you know, gets joy out of their life. And yeah, she doesn't yeah. waste her time with stuff that yep. doesn't bring her joy. And I mean, she's yes. not to say that she's like frivolous in any way or, or, or I mean, I suppose, you know, the best way is she's frivolous, but, <laughs> yes. um, I mean, she's a very busy woman. She's right. got and lots of stuff on the go. She yeah. teaches and, and travels and, mm-hmm. you know, gives lots of interviews and is <laughs> now become yes. a spokeswoman for a number of different, mm. um, brands. I've, nice. now I'm, I should have yeah. written some of them down, but and she, has her, she has her own costume jewelry line yes, and a yep. couple of um, major retailers are kind of coming out with lines or like mini like capsule collections dedicated to her inspired by her style. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's a very lucrative business as well. So she's a very successful business person absolutely. with her husband and now with her own brands. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So she's got some some strong opinions as you might guess. <laughs> yes. Um, you need to just, I mean, really Google this woman and like, <laughs> you know, watch an interview with her, watch the mm. clips from the documentary, watch the documentary if you can. Um, because she's just really worth, worth seeing in person and <laughs> yes. listening to like just her, her attitude and her exuberance and her bon mots, <laughs> her, her witticisms are pretty great. Um, one thing that, that drives her kind of nuts is, um, what she terms banality in fashion. Um, she has a problem with everyone looking the same. Mm. She doesn't, she doesn't like that. And again, it goes back to that idea that you need to be who you are and you need to, you need to know what your style is and who you are. And then you, you know, you choose things that, that you like and that mm-hmm. suits you and build your style off of that. Um, and you know, don't, don't just buy stuff because it's supposedly in style and everyone else is wearing it, mm. um, which is a nice, it is a nice. nice thing to keep in yes. mind. I think a quote that links with that is one of her most famous one-liners where she says, you don't dress like everybody or when you don't dress like everybody else, you don't have to think like everybody yes. else. So that's neat. That's I like that connection. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, just, we've got a few really neat quotes from her here. Uh, another one. I like this one too. If you make a mistake in what you put together, the fashion police are not going to haul you into jail. <laughs> and I think that's one thing, you know, cause we're kind of in our, in our society right now, there, there's a certain fascination with, um, kind of 
critiquing judging fashion choices and that's mm. another thing in in a clip from the documentary that somebody mentions he says that i've never i don't i never hear you um criticizing or saying bad things about what other people wear and she mm. says well who am i to to judge if you know if it makes them feel good if they feel good then they should go for it um which is i think nice i think mm-hmm. sometimes we get caught up in the kinds of tv shows like fashion police for example (laughs) (laughs) that um you know it's all about just kind of ripping ripping choices to shreds and these poor mostly actresses i think Mm. um just criticizing everything that they're wearing and going on and on and driving humor from that and you don't have to agree with somebody's style choices um but you don't need to tear them down either and Mm. i think that's what's so nice about iris her her whole idea is that you know you you dress for you and if you like it then who cares what other people think right um i really like that agreed it's very nice (laughs) and again as she says um like really what is the worst that's going to happen you know somebody (laughs) might laugh to their friend about you but right who cares most of the time you're not going to hear that or know about it anyway and as she says nobody's going to haul you off to jail for yes. wearing something that clashes or <laughs> the wrong the wrong um shape for you or whatever i don't know <laughs> the people who are your true friends will not care about that anyway exactly right? so it's it's almost a good way to get rid of people who, who yeah. are not genuine friends or exactly yes good litmus That's a test. very good point <laughs> Very good point. So she has also said, I don't see anything wrong with a wrinkle. It's kind of a badge of courage. Nice. So I like that. So she, again, something that she's been outspoken about is um, she doesn't think much of plastic surgery mm. or our culture's obsession with youthfulness and chasing right. Right. Youth- youthfulness. And she has, she kind of said humorously that like you know obviously if you <laughs> for some medical reason you need plastic surgery or if you've got just like you know something horrible going on <laughs> you know fine whatever but why would you why would you go under the knife for this dangerous mm. and costly procedure when you have no guarantee of really what you're going to look like in the end and you know who cares right that's one of the few things that she has critiqued her mm-hmm. women trying to look young or desperately yeah. trying to look younger than they are and she said why why not just be the age you are right why is yeah. that something you have to be ashamed of or why lie about your age and, mm-hmm. and she said you know it's it's a great thing that you've gotten to this age or so you've lived to 94 right that's that's a positive thing yeah. why not celebrate that why try to pretend you're younger or look younger absolutely so, yeah. exactly yeah yeah and well i think I mean, she's the ultimate argument for that, too. Here's yes. this woman yes. who is living vibrantly and well still at 94 and is mm-hmm. this fashion and style icon, partly because of her age. Um, yes, yes. I think it makes her very accessible, the fact that she yeah. is well, and, and sadly, kind of unique because she's not well, trying to erase <laughs> her wrinkles yes. or, you know, yes. whatever else. Yes. And, and then consequently, she looks genuine and... Mm. Um, human as yeah. opposed to some of the Authentic. some of the things that you see uh, <laughs> ladies who yes. have perhaps gone a little too far with plastic surgery and then they just end up looking kind of uncanny yes and, uh, not I, quite I agree. right i agree i think yeah. everyone is attracted to people who are happy with themselves exactly comfortable with themselves and so that kind of comfort lets others feel the same way or you know we're all sort of attracted to that and so when we see her we think here's someone who is really happy with themselves and their own sense of style. And, you know, I can be that way too. Or she's a great role model. Exactly. I think that's just about the perfect place to, 
to end I agree. with that lovely thought. <laughs> well done, Heather. Hooray. Good sentiment. <laughs> I'm here for you anytime. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> All right. So All right. that's Iris Apfel. Um, yes. As always, we will include links to the resources that we've used mm-hmm. uh, in putting this podcast together. And once again, if you uh, want to get in touch with us, you can absolutely do that. Follow the links that we'll post along with this podcast. And... Um, thanks for listening. All right. Have a great day.